You're listening to The Hungry Soul with Rachel Foy, covering all topics from spirituality, mindset work, beliefs, relationships, food, body image, business, money, self-expression, and more, helping you become a soul-fed woman. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 80 of The Hungry Soul with myself, Rachel Foy. How are you doing? Now, depending on where you happen to be in the world, if you are also in the UK, like I am, how amazing is this weather? Like February, and I'm wearing a t-shirt, which is unheard of. I think global warming is, is a real thing, which is not good. It's really not good. But I am appreciating the sunshine in February when it's normally really cold. So I'm hoping that you are, yeah, in a good mood and that you're okay and that life's going well for you right now, which is the whole point of why we're here. So things have been a bit manic, right, on this side of um, this side of the microphone for probably the last month or so, not in a bad way, manic in an exciting way. Now, depending on when you're listening to this, you may have heard me mention this previously, but it's ramped up. It's ramped up a gear since I last spoke about it. The Hungry Soul book is here. It's arrived. It's finally happened. It's in the big wide world. It's been printed, published, and it's available. So if you want to know more about how you can overcome your food issues and your body insecurities and actually find peace around food and eating, so really finding your freedom when it comes to emotional eating and binging and overeating and food obsession and sugar cravings and food cravings and food addiction and all those things which are holding you back, then you need to grab a copy of The Hungry Soul. It's available on Amazon if you have a quick search for it. Um, However, if you buy it through the website, through soulfedwoman.com, it's at a special price. Um, We're actually doing free postage, free shipping for UK. So right now, if you head over to soulfedwoman.com forward slash book, you can get your hands on a physical copy of the book. This is not an ebook. We're going to post it out to you and it's signed as well. And we're doing free shipping. So it's $7.95 free postage for the UK. It's a really small amount for postage if you live outside of the UK. And yeah, that should be with you in hopefully about a week or so, depending on, yeah, depending on where you happen to be in the world. So that's what I wanted to to mention because I'm really excited. This has been a dream of mine for such a long time. So to just, just to kind of know that people are actually getting in it and they're reading it and it's like, oh my goodness, it's really exciting. So it is available depending on when you're listening to this. We are expecting the first batch of books to be shipped out in the next few days literally so if you go and order one now through soulfedwoman.com forward slash book it should be with you in probably the next week week and a half okay right so let's move on to this episode which was taken from a workshop that we did over in our facebook group soulfed woman the movement feel free to search for us and come and join um we were talking about inner child and this is something which not everybody's fully aware of. It's something that I delve a lot into with my clients and also in the programs that I offer, particularly in the Food Freedom Masterclass. We kind of explore the inner child because it's really important. So in this workshop, we delved into what it means. How do you know if you've got inner child stuff that needs dressing or healing or dealing with? And actually bringing it into the context of food, particularly overeating. So I'd love to hear your thoughts, whether you get any aha moments or, you know, light bulb gets switched on in your head and it's like, you know, oh, okay, that kind of makes sense. 
let me know. I'm always curious to know how these conversations resonate with you because this is why we do the podcast. You know, this is why I'm here to, to just get these conversations spread across the globe so that more women like you can truly find their freedom around food and body image. Okay, right. Here's the workshop. Um, enjoy. Welcome to another episode of Soulfed Woman Live. And tonight we've got a really interesting topic of conversation. It's all about our inner child and how and why it's connected to, I've said overeating, but actually it's about any kind of food dysfunction, food obsession, let's throw weight stuff, body stuff into that as well, because all of this stuff is all connected. So Patricia's watching. Good evening, Patricia. So those of you that are here, please let me know who's watching and I can say hello to you. And also for you to partake in this topic, because it might be something that some of you aren't familiar with. Maybe some of you have heard the term inner child. Maybe some of you are familiar with it. Maybe some of you might have an idea what it is, but don't understand why it's relevant for you. Um, hi, Katie. So this is just a open conversation where I just want to share something that I have learned along the way. And... I'm inviting you to start to reflect as to how it's relevant for you, okay? So overeating and the inner child, or actually your inner child. So before we delve into this, it's probably a really good place to start with, what the hell are you talking about? Like, what is the inner child? So the inner child is a, it's a concept, I guess. It's like a concept, it's a, um, a thought process, it's a, it's um, it's a, a theory which is used quite extensively in psychology, psycho and um, kind of like psychoanalysis sort of therapies and, and healing modalities. And I use it a lot actually in my work. So inner child is the belief that every single one of us has got younger versions of ourselves still active or stuck within within us as human beings. Now some modalities talk about echoes in the sense of we can like get stuck or frozen at a certain part in our story. Um, inner child is also often referred to as like parts of us that can sometimes split off when there's any kind of trauma or something significant that might have happened to us like hurt or yeah, upset, pain, discomfort, etc. So there's kind of different variations as to the explanation as to what it is. But for me, when I talk about inner child, it's really about understanding and realizing and then exploring the idea that each and every single one of us, even as grown women that we are, there are younger versions of us which are still very much active in our frequency and our vibration in terms of how we're thinking, feeling, interacting, showing up, etc. And when you kind of understand that, it can really start again, it can start to open your eyes to things that maybe you do and the reactions that you have in certain situations. And when we start talking about food and body image, it's really quite fascinating when I speak about this, particularly to like my one-to-one -one clients and you can see the light bulb goes on. It's like, oh my God, that makes so much sense. So that's what inner child is. It's the concept and the idea that right now, all of you that are watching or listening, there are younger versions of you which are still very much active within you as the grown woman that you are watching or listening right now, okay? Does that make sense? Hopefully it does. So that's what it is. Why is it connected then to all the food stuff? So this is where it gets quite fascinating. So everything that we talk about here in our community, 
is all very much about how do we overcome this? How do we overcome the food obsession? How do we overcome the, the body hatred, the, the body insecurities? How do we overcome diet obsession? Actually, how do we overcome being a chronic dieter? And get into that place where food is easy and we don't hate ourselves and we don't completely dislike our bodies and we find our peace with that chaotic relationship that most of you watching or listening can very much identify with, as did I a little while ago. So in order to get to that place, there is work that needs to be done. Like we need to change some of our thoughts. We need to start questioning our beliefs. We need to start changing some of our behaviors. We need to start kind of showing up for ourselves in very different ways around sort of self-care and actually prioritizing us as opposed to putting ourselves at the bottom of the list. Hi, Jeanette. So in order to do that, there are loads of different things that we can be doing. And I just want to focus this right now on inner child work, because as I said at the very beginning, this might be a concept that for some of you are like, never heard of it. Some of you might think it's like really abstract and out there and a little bit woo-woo spiritual. Some of you might understand it, but I've never applied it. So why is this relevant to food? Okay, so the truth is, is those of you that really identify with struggling around food, I wanna ask you now to just have a think as to when this started. And this is often a really big clue around inner child work as to what might be going on from an energetic, psychological point of view. So one of the things that I frequently ask my clients and also the ladies that have just started the Food Freedom Masterclass on their kind of intake session, that's one of the main questions that I want to know the answer to and actually for them as well to identify. It's like, how long have you been struggling with food and body image? Like, what age did this start? What's the earliest memory that, you've ha that you have of not feeling happy in your body, not feeling comfortable in your skin, not feeling maybe, you know, connected to your body? So loads of questions in terms of like timeline, like when did this start? When did this happen? And that's a question that I want to ask you right now. So have a think about it. How long have you struggled with this? At what age can you remember this starting to become an issue for you? And what was going on for you around that time? And if any of you feel like sharing, then feel free to do so. The reason why the answer to that can be quite significant and quite important is because when we're working from a very holistic point of view, which is what I do with everybody that comes into my sacred space, we've got to start piecing some of the puzzle together because nobody is born hating their bodies. Nobody's born with food dysfunction. Nobody is born looking into a mirror going, I can't stand the way that I look. And yes, some of that is social conditioning. You know, we've spoken about that here before and, and on the podcast, if you're listening, around like society's perceptions of the human form. So there is a lot of social conditioning around what we as women are supposed to look like. So there, that is a factor. Now, obviously from that, there's also diet culture and diet culture, again, reinforces these beliefs that society often projects on us as women in terms of what our body should look like. So yes, that is also a factor. But there's also another factor, which is around inner child stuff. And when you can start to realize that maybe at the minute there is still this active part of you from when you were like, 10 or 12 or 14 or maybe even younger who is still very much in the driver's seat for you it can really open up that window of opportunity for you to start exploring this so um katie's saying i went on my first diet age 14 i was unhappy at boarding school and i thought i was fat i wasn't but i thought that i was okay so that's a really brilliant example katie when you can start to recognize an age 
or a situation or maybe an event or something that happened, there's a very good possibility that that particular situation, scenario, event that took place within your past is still very much active in your in your person as you are as a grown woman. So I'm going to use that as an example because the, the you know there's there's often triggers for women to go on diet. So I went I started dieting when I was about 13, 13, 14. Really common age, by the way. A lot of insecurities happen around that age anyway, like puberty, high school, trying to figure out who we are, how we fit in, how the world works, who are we, what do we want. There's a lot of social pressure, like we want external validation, we want we want to feel approved, we want to sort of fit into the groups. Um, so there's a lot of stuff going on. So that's that's quite a typical age for dieting. However, there can also be other factors such as unhappy at boarding school, such as parents getting divorced, such as maybe some kind of um, bereavement within the family, like a grandparent dies. Um, maybe you have, have just moved house and you're in a completely new school. You don't know anybody, so you feel quite isolated. When you can start to identify that, so using that example then at boarding school, as a 14-year-old person at the time, so this is still in a child work, there would have been a part of you that felt really scared, um, probably unsettled, maybe not very um, connected to sort of life. Maybe there was like a feeling that you weren't feeling very, I'm going to say very loved in some ways, um, that you didn't fit in, that people judged you. Like there can be loads of different things that might have been happening at the time in terms of your age. And this is an important point to mention. In a child work is also about recognizing that sometimes as children, we didn't have the emotional capacity to process something that as grown women we could do. You know, and it's it's quite fascinating to to speak to women who who have got very clear memories of things happening to them when they were like three or four or six or someone said something when they were seven about their body or someone made a comment that they were the fat one of the family when they were like eight years old. Now, around that kind of age, we as small little girls, we didn't have the emotional capacity to process that. We didn't have that emotional maturity to kind of realize that, yeah, those comments were not okay. However, they were not perhaps meant in the way that we interpreted them because we weren't we weren't grown ups, like we weren't old enough to understand, to comprehend, to to completely appreciate like those sort of things that might have been said to us. So what happens is we actually process them in the way that a five, six, seven, eight year old would have done, meaning it's true, meaning that must be true about me. We can then start to form entire beliefs about ourselves, as in I am the fat one. Um, I am never going to fit in. People don't like me. Um, people don't think I'm good enough. People don't think I'm this enough. They don't think I'm that enough. And that can start to become one of our foundational beliefs about who we are. Now, in terms of our identity, that is massive. Now, if any of you have ever had experiences, and I hear this frequently with my clients, where they had experiences when they were yeah, fairly young of, you know, people commenting on their bodies, on, on their weight. Maybe they felt embarrassed when they went swimming. I remember one client of mine who has had a very vivid memory of being probably about four or five starting gymnastics in her like little leotard. And she said that people were laughing at her because she had a bit of a belly on her compared to everybody else. Now, as a four or five year old, 
that would have been a massive emotion for her. You know, that, that would have made her feel embarrassed and maybe ashamed. And, but as a four-year-old, she didn't know that, okay? We, we can't label emotions when we're that little. All we know is that doesn't feel okay. And for her, she'd grown up with that belief of, you know, it wasn't safe to be who she was, that she never fitted in, that people would laugh at her. And she spent such a long time trying to manipulate her body to look like the rest of the girls in the gymnastics class. So you can see how sometimes these events that can happen, albeit very innocent in many ways, they can become the foundation to a lot of our, our troubles as we grow up. And this is why inner child work is really powerful because it allows us to go back to those moments. I'm going to explain, well, how do we even do that? But it allows us to go back to those moments in time whereby a part of us might have been frozen and kind of split off or still very much active in terms of who we are as a grown adult now. And we can we can heal them. We can we can address them. We can change them from an energetic point of view. Now, this is not about erasing memory. This is not about pretending that things didn't happen, particularly if we're talking about, you know, significant events and, and trauma that a lot of women sadly have experienced as little girls. That's not about that at all. What it is about, though, is taking that emotional charge away. So whenever anyone might have a very distinctive memory, so going back to the client in the gymnastics class, whenever she spoke about it, her eyes welled up. You know, when she was like, I think early 40s at the time when, when I was working with her, but she went straight back to being a five-year-old. You know, it's like the emotion came up, it was reactivated, it was re, re, re kind of triggered within her physical body and she felt it, she felt the emotion. You know, it brought back the fear and that feeling of people looking at me and it's not, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of an outsider and all this emotional stuff, it was still active like 40 years later. So we did some work on it and, you know, she got to that place where it wasn't about erasing that memory, but she got to the place of whenever she thought about it, whenever she uh, kind of, you know, brought that memory back, there was no emotional charge. It was very matter of fact and she didn't feel bothered by it anymore. And this is what inner child work's about. It's about being able to unplug yourself from the emotional charge of things that might have happened in the past that are still very much active in your vibration now, okay? Um, it is fascinating. It really is, Jeanette. Absolutely. Um, so Patricia's saying, I was only five or six. I guess when I started school and was different than the other kids. Yes. So as I was saying, that again, in terms of like inner child stuff, it's a big thing, you know, if, if as a four or five year old little girl, you felt somehow different or you didn't feel that you fitted in or you didn't feel like the rest of them. Um, and maybe that wasn't necessarily to do with like your body, perhaps like maybe nobody actually said, oh, it's because you're bigger or because you're taller or because you've got, you know, a different shape to everybody. But maybe that was the perception that you had. And that was how you interpreted. This is why people don't like me or why they won't accept me or why I can't go and play with them on the playground. It's because I've got a bigger body or because I look different to they do. And that can then start to become that belief that we have as grown women, yeah? So this is why it's connected. So why is it connected specifically to food? Because whenever we have parts of us that are still hurt and there's parts of us that are still emotionally charged with stuff, and there's still parts of us that have never dealt with something or healed something or let something go or process something or forgiven something, 
then we can find ourselves as 20 year olds, 30 year olds, 40 year olds, 50 year olds, still kind of trying to deal with that stuff. So let me give you an example. Let's say that you feel, um, in fact, let's, some of you have already mentioned this anyway, but having that feeling that you don't fit in, this is quite a common one actually around sort of body image and food stuff. Having that feeling that no matter what you do, you don't fit in. And often we can interpret that as it's because I'm bigger, it's because I'm, I'm fatter, it's because I'm, I'm just bigger than everybody else. And then that could be the trigger for us to start becoming fixated on, well, I just need to slim down. If I was slim like the rest of the people, I would then be accepted into the people, yeah? So let's say that you have that belief. And when you explore that, maybe your earliest memory is, let me use the lady that I referred to before, when you were five years old, you remember going to gymnastics and you were noticeably a little bit more rounder than the rest of the children in that class. And you have that memory of some of them laughing at you or maybe um, one of the parents commented on like your, like your little tummy or something, okay? Now, as a grown woman, you might be able to think about that and be like, well, I'm sure it wasn't meant maliciously or I'm sure that they weren't intending to hurt me. However, as a five-year-old child, your interpretation was, I don't belong here. I'm not like everybody else. I've got a tummy and they don't. People are laughing at me, at my body. So my body must be somehow wrong. And you start to create that belief at that age that your body is not good enough. Um, you're not enough. You don't fit in, you don't belong, etc. Yeah. So that's the inner child stuff. So that inner child at that point in time is frozen and stuck and trapped in that belief of all of that thing. Okay, emotional, huge emotion is what it ha is what is actually happening to you at that age. Now you grow up, you're 67, 15, 20, 25, etc. Now let's say, for example, then at the age of 27, you're in a job and obviously you're 20 years older, but something happens whereby maybe some of your work colleagues go out or they're sat around having a coffee and you've not been invited. Or maybe there's a birthday party and you kind of forget to yeah, be told about it or it could be anything. Okay, this is totally off the top of my head, but it reactivates within you that feeling of I don't fit in. People don't like me. And it reminds you of that, that feeling. Now, this isn't something conscious that happens. So you wouldn't be sat there at 26, 27 going, this reminds me of that incident when I was five years old in that gymnastics class. So this is very subconscious. This is where our subconscious programming is very much in charge so much of the time and we never actually realize it until we start having these kind of conversations. So there you are, 26, 27, you somehow feel like you've been excluded or you've not been included and you start to feel uncomfortable about it. Now, if you were working with someone such as myself, I would then be saying to you, so what does that remind you of? Like, what does that feeling, that reaction that you have right now, how does that make you feel? And maybe you can put words to it, maybe you can't. But it would remind you of that feeling that might be familiar for you. Maybe you've experienced that throughout many, many times in your like 20 year past from that incident of the gymnastics class. Now, another clue, I'm gonna to come to why this is relevant to food in a second. Another clue that can also be really um, quite noticeable once you identify it is you know that it's your inner child who's actually been re-triggered because often your reaction is very childish. 
So say, for example, this illusionary 26, 27 year old who's not been invited out with the rest of her colleagues or everyone's gone down to the canteen and having a coffee and nobody, you know, she got forgotten about completely by innocent. Just somebody forgot to not knock on a door and say we're going for coffee. But she reacts to that. I've been excluded. People don't like me. And she finds herself having a bit of a strop, a bit of a tantrum like a five year old child. Yeah. Now, when you recognize that sometimes your reactions seem quite childish, you can be pretty certain that actually your inner child has stepped into the driver's seat and she's now in control because she's kind of gone, well, that's not fair. Well, it's kind of they're very, the tantrum-like attitude of what children do. That's often how they try and process emotion as well. So if that's something that you recognize within yourself, that you can have childish reactions to things, or maybe you react to something and afterwards you're like, oh, it just didn't feel like me. Or, you know, that felt a little bit, a little bit extreme, or yeah, it kind of felt a little bit off somehow. Not that it's wrong. That can sometimes be a clue that it's actually inner child stuff that's, that's been reactivated. So going back to why is this relevant to food? So there's this 26, 27 year old in the office who's been neglected. She's now made it mean something that it didn't. It was a genuine accident. Somebody just forgot to knock on her office door, let's say. This has now reactivated and re-triggered that feeling of people don't like me or I've been left out because body stuff maybe, because that's the belief that she formed when she was five years old from a gymnastics class. So what she does is she gets all annoyed about it and upset and she starts to think about it and the whole rest of the day goes like that. And when she goes home, she has a massive binge because that's how she's coping with how she feels. Because food is often used symbolically. It's a substitute. It's a metaphor. It's used for comfort. It's used for safety. It's used for feeling um, loved. It's used for a multitude of reasons apart from physical hunger. So that's why food is, is relevant, because that's often how we cope to the feelings that come up for us, okay? Does that make sense? So the reason why then, going back to the very beginning of this conversation, is why is this therefore important? Well, if you are an overeater and you find yourself binging and you find yourself turning to food emotionally, so any emotional eaters watching or listening, it's a really interesting thing for you to do, start exploring in a child because there may very well be parts of your younger self that is still hurting from something or it's still feeling the pain from something or it's still feeling scared about something or it's still feeling abandoned about something. And when you can figure out what that is, I'm going to explain how we do this in a moment, it gives you so much of your power back. Not that you know, these little children are wrong to feel that way, but if they've not been able to process something and they've not been able to heal something and they've not been fully able to do whatever they needed to do at the time, which they couldn't, you can do it for them now. No, and, and this is where I, I get so much, I suppose, pleasure in, in this kind of work because it's, it's so humbling to see someone who's in their 30s or 40s or 50s actually make peace with something that happens 20, 30 years ago. And as I said, this is not about erasing memory. It's not about pretending that things didn't happen. Now, for any of you that are watching or listening right now, and maybe you already know, you know, there was some really horrible, horrible things that happened to you when you were small that shouldn't have ever happened, you know, kind of abuse and neglect and abandonment. That's not okay. You know, that's never okay. But if that happened, it happened. This is not about 
as I said, erasing or pretending that it didn't. It's about allowing that hurt and that pain and that that stuff, that grief and that fear and that all that stuff to actually be healed now, you know, because at the time you weren't able to, but you can do it now. You can do it for yourself now. So if that resonates with you, I hope that's just something for you to think about. And obviously if this is bringing anything up for any of you, um, then by all means, feel free to reach out to me. You can send me an email, rachel at, um, rachel at soulfedwoman.com um, and I'll more than happily have a little chat with you. I will point you in the direction of, of any particular help that you might be needing. Um, obviously, this is something that I'm more than capable of helping you with if you wanted to because it, it's fascinating how much of our past is still very much activated and active within us as grown adults. So, how do we actually deal with this? Right, so let's get down to the, well, what do I do? The first thing to do is to actually just acknowledge, like explore this with curiosity. If anything that I've said today has made you go, oh yeah, okay, that's interesting, or that's fascinating, then explore it. You know, and one of the most powerful ways of doing that is actually start doing your timeline. So think about the things that you're struggling with now. So food issues, body image issues, body insecurities, anything to do with food and body stuff, start asking yourself the questions around it. Like, when did this start? What's my earliest memory of this? What was happening at the time? Um, where were the people involved? You know, was, were comments made about you perhaps? And start kind of putting some things down on paper. And then once you recognize that maybe there were some incidents when you were like in your teens, or maybe it was a little bit younger, then there are certain things that you can then start doing. You could do some journaling around it, start exploring it, you know, how you're feeling and writing things out that are coming up as, as you're reconnecting to it. Um, another really powerful thing that I use frequently is tapping or EFT. There are some things over on my Facebook page, um, YouTube channel, in terms of what that is and how can you use it, but that's a really powerful energy releasing clearing kind of technique which is surprisingly simple but really really powerful so i would recommend that you do some tapping if you know what that is and if you don't go and have a little nosy over on youtube um the other thing would be things like meditations or any kind of self-hypnotherapy recordings in terms of like letting things go I do a lot of forgiveness work around inner child because forgiveness work is, which you can do in like meditative um, self-hypnosis kind of um, sessions. Forgiveness work is about, the name would suggest, it's throwing forgiveness at something in terms of forgiving the situation, forgiving what happened, um, maybe partly forgiving yourself for keeping hold of this for such a long time, um, forgiving the circumstances, this is not about letting people off the hook, by the way. So if this is making any of you feel really uncomfortable, this is not about saying, oh, well, you know, it is what it is and I'm just going to let them off the hook. No, this is about forgiving yourself for ever wishing it could have been any different or forgiving yourself for wishing that you could have changed the situation, um, particularly if you were small. So that's what forgiveness work is all about as well. Um, and as I said, that's something you can do around like meditation and, and hypnotherapy, self-hypnotherapy. <coughs> the other thing that you can look at doing, oh, I'll have a quick drink. The other thing that you can look at doing is specifically inner child work. So some people are like inner child practitioners or 
it's one of their disciplines that they use with their clients. Um, I use inner child work a lot and it's something that is, it's something that you can definitely explore on your own in terms of maybe putting some of the pieces together and actually maybe gaining some clarity around something. So being able to identify um, certain things and events that might still be contributing to things that you're struggling with at the moment. But usually inner child work is very powerful when you're doing it with somebody because it can be really hard to work on our own stuff when we don't fully know what to do with it. So that would be my suggestion would be to go down that route of actually having that professional support. Um, and as I've said, I offer inner child work to my one-to-one -one clients. Um, interestingly, at the moment, or for any of you that are interested rather, I am offering like a special four session package, which I don't frequently do, but for any of you who want to maybe explore some inner child work around a specific thing, rather than doing like three to six months, which is my typical mentoring um, program, I am offering four sessions, which is around about a month or so, where we are just going to focus particularly around inner child stuff, because it's all connected anyway to like food and body image. So if that's something that you're intrigued about, then drop me an email, comment below um, the video, um, or you can email me rachel at soulfedwoman.com. Okay. So what was the other thing that I wanted to mention? Inner child, yeah, self-compassion. That was the one thing that I did want to say. If you start recognizing that maybe there are incidents from your past or there are memories that when you just think about them, it makes you feel uncomfortable. It could be fear, it could be anxiety, it could be just terror, it could be panic, it could be anger, it could be upset, pain, grief, it could be anything. But if you start to recognize that those things come up, then there's definitely an opportunity of something there that, that can be healed. So from all those things that I just mentioned about hypnotherapy, EFT, journaling, um, practicing forgiveness work, which again, there's loads of different ways you can do that, but also self-compassion, you know, so actually practicing self-compassion, but to your little one. So one of the things that I frequently invite my clients to do is if you recognize that maybe there is a part of you that feels really scared about something or feels unsafe about something, just as I've spoken in the past about reconnecting to your body wisdom, so actually talking to your body. Hey body, are you hungry? What do you want to eat? Do you want hot or cold or savory or sweet or spicy or salty? Even though it seems a bit weird to talk to your body, particularly when you fight it all the time or fight her all the time, it's a big part of healing that relationship. It's actually opening up communication to her. This is exactly the same. So if you recognize that there is something you know, to do with fear or overwhelm or anxiety, and maybe from doing the timeline thing, you kind of have an idea that it might have started when you were like six or seven, or maybe you've got a really distinctive memory of something that did happen around that time that when you think about it again, it re-triggers that same feeling of fear and overwhelm and anxiety. Start talking to that inner child, so to that six-year-old you or that seven-year-old you. Maybe go and find a photo of yourself if you have one or if you can get your hands on one of a younger version of you and actually start talking to her because she's still within you anyway. And the same way that you speak to your body around food, I often invite women to start doing it with their younger selves. You know, it's like, what can I do? Like, what do you need from me? Um, how can I make this better? You know, what can I do for you right now? And that could be that you 
have a cry or maybe you actually give yourself like a physical hug or maybe you even imagine yourself talking to that younger version of you. So a really powerful visualization to do actually. And I'm just gonna quickly sort of guide you um, in terms of how to do this is actually imagine yourself in the same room as your younger version of yourself. So let's say that you're a five or six or seven year old based on what we've been talking about already. You would just imagine, you close your eyes and for maybe a couple of minutes, you just imagine being in that same room with her. She's not scared, she knows who you are. Um, maybe you put your arms around her or you sit her on your knee and you give her a massive hug and then give her some, some words of wisdom. So what does she need to hear from you as a grown woman? What does she need to hear from you that at the time she didn't know because she was five or six or seven and she didn't have your wisdom, she didn't have your experience, she didn't have your knowledge of the world. She wasn't able to maybe comprehend all the pieces of what was going on at the time because she was a child. So tell her what she needs to know. And this can be a really powerful exercise when you're doing this because even though it's something that, you know, some of you might be thinking, well, that seems a little bit strange or, you know, that seems a little bit abstract. You'll be surprised at how connected you can feel when you're talking to your younger self. So maybe that's something as well for you to try. So to tell her the words, you know, say to her whatever she needs to, to hear. Maybe she doesn't need to hear words. Maybe you just kind of, you know, connect to her almost telepathically or, you know, maybe a hug is all that she's needing. And uh, when you've actually done that then, just ask her if she wants to come back to you as in like here and now now most of our little children our inner child will agree um, if she doesn't agree then that's totally fine just sort of leave her where she is and come back you know open your eyes when you can but most of the time they will agree because they're safe and they know who you are and just invite her to come back with you so as you have got your eyes closed you would just imagine like bringing her into your heart and actually just bringing her back with you here and now and just taking a big deep breath and just opening your eyes when you can. So it's a really quick visualization, but obviously spend as much time as you want. You know, sometimes there might be a lot of things that she needs to hear from you, or maybe you get called to say a lot of things about something, or you want to explain something to her in a way that she understands it. But that's another way that you can really start to just make peace with things in terms of the smaller versions of you okay so i hope that made sense i hope that was interesting and i hope that's kind of explained why sometimes actually not sometimes frequently it's not about fixing the food stuff it's not about focusing on the food stuff it's not even about focusing on like the body stuff because all of that is being supported by this this bigger the root so very much like a tree is being maintained and actually kept upright by the roots, this is what most of you are doing. You're focusing on trying to fix the external stuff like the, the leaves and the branches. But actually, if you focus your attention on trying to pull the roots away, the whole thing comes crashing down because it can't be maintained anymore. So any kind of beliefs around, well, for inner child particularly, the things that I'll be inviting you to have a look at and explore or anything to do with um, safety, anything to do with comfort, anything to do with love, anything to do with abandonment, anything to do with not fitting in. These can often be quite big things that, that actually happen as we're growing up that we interpret in a way it starts to become our belief system as to who we are, as in I'm not good enough, um, 
I'm not lovable enough, I don't fit in, I don't belong here, I'm different to other people. Um, also safety, I think I mentioned, but safety particularly around our body. This can also be quite a big one for a lot of people. So if anything ever happened to you, um, obviously things like um, abuse, etc. goes without saying, but anything whereby you were made to feel uncomfortable in your skin or if someone commented on your body, or maybe if someone like prodded you. Now, I remember a lady said that she remembered someone like prodding her tummy when she was little and kind of making a joke about it. In no circumstances is that ever okay, but it happened and she started to make a story out of it. You know, there was too much of her tummy, etc. So anything to do with safety around the body. So she detached, I mean, she detached herself from her body for such a long time, believing it wasn't safe to be in her body. Um, any kind of like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Any kind of interest, shall we say, from the opposite sex or even maybe the same sex and it made you at some point feel uncomfortable. So again, I remember a lady um, from a little while ago who was quite a early developer. So she had like boobs when she was kind of very early in, in high school when most of the other girls didn't. And she remembered people commenting about it, you know, the boys finding it interesting and fascinating and like whistling at her. And, and at that age, she felt really uncomfortable about it. You know, she didn't like those sort of advances. She didn't like those kind of comments about herself. So in a child, you know, she was, I think about 12 at the time. So not little, little, but still of an age where she was still developing, you know, emotional maturity and just experience of the world, you know, she, she wasn't able to speak up for herself because she was quite an introvert and she didn't know how to, you know, she didn't have the skill set to navigate that situation. So she formed a lot of beliefs about her body and particularly around the advances and like the sexual, um, yeah, the sexual connection to her physical appearance. So she spent a long time fighting food in her body and there was a lot of stuff around that to, to do with, um, being attractive towards for her it was the opposite sex so there is a bit of complexity around this but it's also really fascinating to just start so have a think about your struggles your body stuff your food stuff when did it start what's the earliest time that you remember feeling like this and was there anything happening around that time that you can remember okay it's a good place to start right then so those of you that are still watching, there's still quite a few of you, so I've clearly not just waffled and you've all gone, what the hell? Does any of you have any questions? Does anyone want to ask me anything? Does anyone find that quite fascinating? And I was like, oh my God, head blown. It's always a really interesting topic. I'm just seeing if I've got any more comments. My phone's not working very well tonight. I don't know why. Anybody, anybody? Does that make sense? Does that kind of put a few pieces together? Is that giving you a bit of clarity around some stuff? Is that quite interesting? No, Jeanette's put fascinating. Sure is. I have a really strong memory of a feeling. Oh, okay. That might be something for you to explore, um, Jeanette, then. If there's a really strong memory um, kind of feeling, regardless actually of what that situation is, if it's still very much activated, as in when you think about it, it brings that memory back again, um, it's still active. So vibrationally, it's still active in your, in your energy field, in you, 
feeling but I can't attach it to a thing right if you can't attach it to a thing then that's okay um definitely something like tapping whether you've tried tapping or not is something that I would be starting with um if obviously I was I was working with you kind of explore this a bit more but if you can't attach it to anything in particular then start with that feeling okay so that that thing that's coming up for you um, there are some videos, I think there might be some here on in the group, but there's definitely some on my Facebook page and there is a couple over on the YouTube channel, I believe. You can search for me um, on YouTube and there's a, there's a few things over there. Yeah, try tapping, definitely. Tapping on the feeling, the thing that's coming up. So even though I can't remember what happened or even though I don't know what this is about, this kind of feeling, yeah? Yeah, good, good, good. Right then guys, I am going to shoot off in a second because it's, yeah, quarter two. Um, I don't want to feel it though, squash it down. Oh yes, so that's actually, that is very relevant. When we talk about feelings and emotions, sometimes we can't always put a name to it. You know, sometimes it's not that clear cut to go, oh, it's anger or I'm feeling overwhelmed or I'm feeling scared. It's just more of this like thing that's uncomfortable. And our default is I'm just going to squash it down. So yeah, that's what emotional eating is. That's what overeating can be. That's what binge eating can be. They're often very much one of the same thing. So if that's something that you notice for you, then definitely start exploring this in whatever way you can, because there's potentially something there that, that, need, that can be healed or that can be addressed or resolved or let go of or cleared, like whatever you want to say. But if it's active, it will always be active until you do something about it. And obviously trying to fix the food is pointless because the food is just the, the coping, the symptom. It's the plaster. It's the plaster on the top. Okay, right. Good, good, good. Okay, lovelies. I am going to go now. However, if any of you have got any questions after you've watched this or any of you that watch this on replay... Um, you can always comment below. You can always tag me if you've got a specific question and I will come back and answer in whatever way I can. Um, but otherwise, thank you for listening and for spending, what was it, about 40 minutes or so talking about this. I could talk about this for ages because it is absolutely fascinating. But yeah, it's, um, it's something for you to be exploring for sure, okay? Right then, everyone. You're welcome, Katie. Enjoy the rest of your evening. I'll be back next week. We've got some more things planned. And um, yeah, that's it for now. I'll speak to you all soon. See you later. Bye. So there you go, gorgeous. Another episode brought to you by The Hungry Soul. Now, if that conversation has got you a little bit curious about your own journey right now and how perhaps you can start helping yourself to become more self-fed, but maybe you've got no idea where to start or what that might even mean for you, don't panic. We've got some fabulous gifts for you that are all completely free. All you need to do is head over to soulfedwoman.com forward slash free dash resources. And over there, there's workshops, handouts, meditations, and loads of other goodies. So go and grab as many of them as you want to. Can't wait to speak to you soon. Bye.